Do you see that over there? What is it? Looks like a boulder? Was there like a landslide or something? It's absolutely huge. The absolute size of that unit. Wait, no, it's moving. It's hairy. It's a bear. And not just any bear. This week, Tara Informa is proud to welcome the stars of Fat Bear Week 2021. From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. You're listening, you're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Terra Informa. Well, listeners, this week's episode is one that is very dear to the Terra Informa team's heart, and one that we've been meaning to do for a long time. Last week marked the end of Fat Bear Week 2021, an annual contest that our volunteers get very excited about every year. You may have seen the voting brackets online as the bears compete for the top spot, or maybe you've seen the extraordinary before and after photos of the bears' bulking efforts. But we wanted to learn more about Fat Bear Week, its contestants, and its home base of Katmai National Park. I'm Hannah Cunningham, and I'll be your host for the next half hour of environmental news, stories, ideas, and lions, tigers, or no, I guess just bears. Oh my. Before we begin this episode, we would like to acknowledge that this episode was produced in Treaty 6 territory in Amiskwitsi, Wiskaigin, Beaver Hills House, or so-called Edmonton. We are broadcasting from unrecognized Papas Chase Cree territory. The Papas Chase Cree were displaced following consistent efforts from local officials, like Frank Oliver, to discredit the legitimacy of their treaty right to this territory and to reserve number 136, now South Edmonton. Not confined to history, this region is also the present homelands of many First Peoples who build their lives here, pursue livelihoods, and gather together, including Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, and Dene. The Bears and the land that we are talking about this week are located on the southern coast of Alaska in Katmai National Park, which overlaps with Sukpiak or Alutit traditional and present territory. Wherever you're listening from, we ask you to consider whose version of history informs your understanding of the land you are on. If you're not familiar with Fat Bear Week, let me set the scene for you. You're living up on the Alaskan Peninsula. It's the end of September and it's already starting to get cold. You have one job to do before you tuck away into a den and hibernate for the cold, dark winter. And that's to pack on as many pounds as possible. How does one do that? And why make a competition out of it? I wasn't exactly sure, so I reached out to an expert, Leon Law, who works as the Visual Information Specialist at Katmai National Park in Alaska. My name is Leon Law, and I am the Visual Information Specialist here at Katmai National Park and Preserve. And I have been here since November of last year in this position, so relatively new to this position, but I was a seasonal park ranger in 2017, so not new to the park overall. Can you tell us a little bit about Katmai? 
National Park? So Katmai National Park and Preserve is comprised over 4 million acres. It is located in the southwest area of Alaska in the Alaska Peninsula. And it is pretty incredible in that it is also remote as well. So it's often very challenging for people to get here. It requires several small planes or boats to reach the interior of the park. And Katmai National Monument was first established in 1918, originally to protect the Valley of 10,000 Smokes, which was a volcanically devastated region of the park um, after the eruption of Nova Rupta in 1912, which was the largest volcanic eruption of the 20th century. Since then, however, our boundaries have expanded um, our name has changed in designation from Monument to Park. And then our mission has also expanded too, to include a variety of things, not just the Valley of 10,000 Smokes, but to preserve also pristine habitat for salmon and bears as well. Those of us living in so-called Canada might not be familiar with national monuments or what makes them different from national parks. According to the Outdoor Advocacy Project, National monuments are specific to the United States and are federal public lands that are permanently protected. The designation of national monument is given to landscapes and specific places of cultural, historic, and scientific significance. The Antiquities Act of 1906 grants the president authority to designate national monuments in order to protect these important places. There are currently 129 national monuments in the United States. One of the main differences between national monuments and national parks is how they are established. National parks are created by Congress, who can pass legislation to create a national park site. Another difference can be the motivation behind why people want a specific area to be protected. National parks are often protected because of their scenic, educational, and recreational values, whereas national monuments have objects of historical, cultural, or scientific interest. In terms of management, the United States National Park Service oversees all national parks and some monuments. However, numerous different governmental departments, including but not limited to the U.S. Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and the Department of Defense, may oversee national monuments, depending on their reason for protection. Sometimes, like in the case of Katmai, national monuments designated by a president can be amended by Congress in order to change the designation to a national park. Can you tell me a little bit more about the volcanic eruption that sort of shaped this area? I do not know much about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that eruption was Nova Rupta, 1912, and it is remarkable in that it was massive. The largest eruption of the 20th century, there are very few things that are greater in size of uh, magnitude, yet it's also something that most people don't know about. And that has to do in part that nobody died. <laughs> it's pretty remarkable in that such a large eruption, nobody, there were no casualties. Um, and then in addition, what else was going on during that year? The Titanic sunk. So larger news events also did make it. And then also Katmai is a pretty remote place. And so it hasn't, it's not necessarily the most known thing. But even though 
that's the case. And it is the reason our park started. There have been so many other reasons now for people to visit the Valley of 10,000 Smokes. It is a great place to go backpacking and hiking, but it is also drawn bigger interest in terms of volcanoes and geology, but also the landscape itself. So for instance, NASA sent Apollo mission astronauts to train here in this landscape because they thought it would be like um, training in Mars. So. <laughs> Lots of different things. Wow. <laughs> it's truly got it all. <laughs> Before we started recording, you mentioned that it was snowing there today and it is October 2nd. So what's the like environment or climate like up there? Yes. So we are considered a subarctic environment and the park itself really does cover a vast variety of landscapes. So we have nearly 500 miles of coastline. We've got sedge meadows, volcanic landscapes, glaciers, tundra, spruce forest. It is pretty varied overall. And so no matter what you're looking for in this park, we probably have it, whether that's habitat or different things like wilderness exploration, wildlife, recreation, cultural history, or geologic resources too. What other kind of animals have habitat in the park. I know we're here to mostly talk about the bears, but uh, who else lives there? We are most known for our bears, but we host a variety of other wildlife. We've got moose and lynx, caribou. We also have sea animals too. We do have that coastline as well. So a wide variety of animals call Cat My Home. So now that we know a bit more about Katmai National Park, let's get into Fat Bear Week, what it's all about, and the stars of the competition. Fat Bear Week is Katmai's annual celebration of survival and success. It highlights our bears, but it also draws attention to Katmai's healthy ecosystem overall, one which supports the healthiest and the largest runs of sockeye salmon left in the world. How we really celebrate is through a competition. It is a single elimination bracket competition, kind of March Madness style, where bears face off head to head in matchups and voters get to choose the ultimate winner. So what kind of bears are typically featured during Fat Bear Weeks? What kind of species? Are they usually a certain age? I will start off by saying that all of our bears here in Katmai are brown bears. Now, the difference between brown bears and grizzlies is a bit arbitrary in that they are the same species, but we generally consider brown bears to be those who have access to coastal food resources like salmon, uh, whereas grizzly bears are those who are found more inland. So. During Fat Bear Week, we highlight 12 different bears and deciding those 12 is actually quite a difficult process in the first place. Um, of course, there is some criteria. And first off, you, we obviously want to showcase that you are fat. <laughs> so being fat is part of that criteria. It's not everything though. Um, we also have to be sure to see you in the beginning of the year as well as the end of the year. Some bears may only use the river during certain times. So we might only see them in early summer or we might only see them in fall, but you definitely have to be there for your photo appearance to be considered. 
And then beyond that, one of the most important criteria are good stories, right? Each of our bears, they are individuals and the stories that they tell often represent a larger class. So for instance, we always want to include a cub. We want to include a sub-adult and sub-adults are like the teenagers of the bear world. We like to include females with cubs and without cubs, males, older bears. We basically want a good representation of what we have. And then we use their stories to spotlight them as individuals, but also showcase the different challenges that different bears go through to survive. What are some of the bears' favorite foods to bulk up on? Yes. So bears, they eat what is plentiful and abundant. And for us here at Katmai, that is our sockeye salmon. We have incredible runs of salmon. And sometimes in July, during the peak season, bears might eat 40 plus fish a day, which is an incredible number. Um, a good catch is still like 20 to 30, but we have definitely seen individuals eat over 40 fish a day. And when food is so plentiful, we can also see behavior like hydrating, which is where bears will eat the fattiest parts of the fish, like the brain, the roe, and the skin. Um, so think of it for us as going to the buffet and skipping out on salad and soup and bread and just really focusing on what is important. So it's all about calorie economics. Um, and over with this diet that they have, they can gain an incredible amount over the course of the season, sometimes upwards of two pounds a day of fat. Wow. That is, um, yeah, that's being efficient with your buffet choice. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed, do the diets of the bears change throughout the year? Like are some bears eating salmon kind of all year or do they tend to shift to more, um, like berries or other things at different times? Absolutely. So bears, they are omnivores and opportunists, and they will eat what is available. So this means that their diet does change. In springtime, they'll often eat grasses or overwintered berries, whatever is available. Spring tends to be a pretty lean time. Um, and then, of course, salmon as well. Um, on the coast, we'll also see them digging for clams, too. So a variety of foods. And in fall, berries as well. So they definitely eat a wide variety of foods, not just salmon here. If you are a local listener, or if you have bears where you live, you might be wondering why the bears of Katmai National Park get this special treatment. What makes them so much bigger than the bears around, say, my home base of central Alberta, or even the bears in the Rocky Mountains? I asked Leon about what sets the bears of Katmai National Park apart from the rest. Here in Alberta, we have grizzly bears. So I was wondering if you knew anything about like the weight comparison between maybe brown bears and grizzly bears going into winter. Like are your bears getting huge because of the, because of like the access to salmon? Absolutely. That is definitely a big part of it. So what makes our bears so big in comparison to other bears like grizzly bears, um, let me give you a specific example. No bear in Yellowstone 
for instance, National Park, Yellowstone National Park has been estimated to weigh over 900 pounds. But our bears here, when they're a large adult males, routinely weigh over a thousand pounds. So we have quite a few competitors in this year's lineup who meet that mark. Um, and some of our bears far exceed that, like 747, who is estimated to weigh 1400 pounds. And so diet really does make a huge difference in weight. I don't even know if I've ever like seen up close a grizzly bear here. So I can't even imagine seeing <laughs> one of like cat mice, huge bears at their peak. That must be impressive. <laughs> it is impressive, intimidating and inspiring all at once. Yeah. So why is this bulking up period so important for the bears? So for these bears, fat equals survival and success. Um, there's absolutely no fat shaming here. Uh, a fat bear is a healthy bear and bears, they essentially need to eat an entire year's worth of food in six months or less because in winter for us, they won't eat or drink anything, but survive solely off of their fat reserves. And even when they exit the den in spring, spring is a pretty lean time. So they continue to lose weight even then. And it does go beyond just pure survival in winter though. So for instance, females, it can be even more important for them to gain weight. Bears have a reproductive strategy called delayed implantation. So a fertilized egg won't implant itself into the uterus unless that female has enough fat reserves. So it can be a big deal for reproduction in females and then also in males too, because for males size, can and does matter and having access to potential mates as well. Obviously, um, we've talked about the like abundance of food resources that bears living in the park can have access to. Do you know anything about any challenges that bears maybe living outside of the park or outside of that protected area face when trying to bulk up before winter? Sure. So Katmai, like you said, is pretty unique in that we do have quite a bit of food. We are protecting the resource for our bears, but not all bears are so fortunate as those who live here. In other areas, bears face a whole host of other challenges. Uh, for instance, with more and more habitat loss, we have to find a way to coexist with bears respectfully. And our bears are unique in that they get to live out their lives in the wild, fairly uninhibited by people. Um, they don't have access to human food resources, and sadly that isn't the case for bears in other areas as well. So often bears will become food habituated too. And that can be dangerous for them for human-animal conflict. Absolutely. It has repercussions all over for human-animal conflict as well, and sadly it is the bears who pay the price in that. Right, yeah. Has this bulking up period changed in any way over time? Um, like, have you seen food sources declining or changing for the bears or has like the climate changed in a way over time that affects the bears feeding? Yeah. So I will start off by saying that we believe that Katmai is at carrying capacity for our bears. We have approximately 2,200 in the park and preserve. Um, and However, the number of bears that we see using Brooks Falls in particular has really only been high since the 80s. 
And this could be for a variety of reasons. It could be because of the eruption of Novarupta in 1912 and the landscape is still recovering from those effects. But it also probably has to do in part in how we use our land and how our priorities to conserve this area for bears have changed and evolved. So Brooks Falls, it did start off as perhaps a place for people to fish. And so the difference in how we managed that versus how we manage it today. And then you have to think that people have been using this land for thousands of years. And for those people, bears were often a, a pretty important resource as well. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Terra Informa, a production of CGSR 88.5 FM, a volunteer-powered community radio station located in so-called Edmonton, Alberta. This week's episode is all about Fat Bear Week, an annual competition between the bears of Katmai National Park to see who is the fattest. Leon Law, the visual information specialist at Katmai National Park, has been giving us the lowdown on this special week. Let's get back into it. How successful, maybe generally, are the bears at surviving the winter hibernation period? Our bears are quite successful and they are able to survive this hibernation in remarkable ways that admittedly we don't fully understand. Um, it's a state of relative dormancy where we see physiological and metabolic changes. So for instance, we see significant drop in heart rate, maybe only eight to 12 beats per minute and significant drop in respiration, more like four breaths per minute. And yet when they emerge in spring, they are remarkably healthy. Yes, they have lost perhaps a third of their body weight, but we don't see significant muscle or bone density loss. So they are incredibly well adapted to survive. And again, ways that we don't understand and perhaps in understanding some of those secrets in the future, that could prove pretty beneficial for people speaking medically too. Hmm. Yeah, I never thought about that. How much do the bears weigh going into their dens? I know you talked about some of the like really big ones versus when they come out in the spring. What's what's that weight difference look like? An average adult male here could start the season being maybe 600 to 900 pounds and they could enter the den easily over a thousand or more. And females will be about a third of a third less than that. But to give you a very specific example about how much bears can gain, I'll use cubs because they have the largest percent of weight gain. So a spring cub, a cub in its first year of life, born in the den in winter, will weigh about a pound. It is the size and weight of a soup can. And yet when it goes back into the den next winter, it could be anywhere from 70 to 80 pounds plus. So it is an incredible percent gain that cubs have, which is quite large, though adults too, they do gain several hundred pounds usually over the course of the season. Fat Bear Week has gotten pretty popular on the internet over the past several years, um, at least how I've, that's when I started noticing it online. Have you noticed that the public, are they showing an increased interest in bears or the conservation of bears? Is that something that um, you guys are seeing at the park? 
Absolutely. So as you've mentioned, we have had incredible growth since Fat Bear Week first began seven years ago as simply Fat Bear Tuesday. And this really has translated to interest in Katmai overall. So people are connecting more with our park, both in person and virtually, and also through our friends groups like the Katmai Conservancy and Explore.org, which help promote and share some of our initiatives and vision as well. Do you have any tips for our listeners about how to be bear aware or how to respectfully live and recreate in bear habitat? Sure. So being bear aware often means different things depending on where you are. It's important to know the bears where you are in that moment. For instance, some of the rules and regulations here at Katmai are very specific to being here. To give an example, our minimum required distance is 50 yards, but in many other places, that distance is much greater. Overall, though, there are some things that people can do in any place, and that starts by recognizing that often where we live and recreate is first and foremost the bear's home. And so we need to give them that respect and the space that they need to live out their lives. Um, we should also be aware of our food and trash so that bears don't become habituated. And if you think about safety too, you know, um, when hiking, it's always important to make noise appropriately. And we do recommend that you use the human voice over any other noisemaker as it alerts them that we are people uh, and we can vary our tone and pitch unlike bear bells or whistles. Um, and so we want to do this to avoid surprise encounters. But overall, any kind of awareness about bears is great. And so just even learning about them, about their habitat and the things that they need to live out their lives is important. Yeah, I guess my final question is, uh, which bear do you think is going to win this year? Oh, my. <laughs> well, somebody who helps organize Fat Bear Week, we try to remain impartial, but naturally we do all have favorites and there are certain bears who you can't deny have a pretty good shot at the championship. And I'll go over just a couple of those, for instance. Um, 480 Otis, he is one of our oldest bears to use the river, and he is a fan favorite and no stranger to Fat Bear Week, having already won three crowns. So people love him. And what is unique about this place, too, is that we have our live streaming bear cams. So some folks have been able to follow bears over the course of the season or even over the course of their lives so they can become really attached to them in that way. If you are to vote purely on fattest bear overall, 747 will take it every time. <laughs> he is a huge bear. But one of the best things about this competition is that it's completely subjective. People can choose to vote based on whatever criteria they want, whether it's purely by fat, by weight gain, by thinking about the challenges that bears overcome, like sows with cubs have to gain more weight because they're not just supporting themselves, but their cubs as well. So stories about the bears also inspire people to vote. And the way that you decide to vote is basically unlimited. <laughs> but yeah, there are so many great contenders. I will say, honestly, I did not expect the cub to make it as far as it has this year in the, in the bracket. But like I mentioned before, they, if you go by the greatest percent of weight gain, cubs have it. So it all just depends on how you want to vote. 
Now, this interview was done on October 2nd, and Fat Bear Week ended on October 5th, so we now know the winner. This year, the bear that came out on top during the final bracket with over 51,000 votes was 480 Otis. According to explore.org, Otis was identified as being four to six years old in 2001, making him now an older bear in his mid to late 20s. During Fat Bear Week, we really are holding up Katmai and Brooks area in particular on a pedestal to truly exemplify the richness of the park and Bristol Bay, Alaska. So yes, this is a celebration of success, but it's important to remember that not all bears and not all places are so fortunate. So it's a great reminder for people to get interested and cherish and conserve what they find important, whether that's here in Katmai or in places closer to home. Thank you so much to Leon Law for teaching us about Katmai National Park and sharing stories about the bears of Fat Bear Week. If you didn't get a chance to vote this year, mark your calendars for fall 2022. If you're interested in learning more or want to see the bears in action, there are links to the Fat Bear Week website and to Katmai's live bear cams on our website and in the show notes for this episode. That is all the time we have for this week. I've been your host, Hannah Cunningham. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, and all of our content is created by a team of volunteers. You can reach us for comments or questions via email, terra at cjsr.com, or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Terra Informa. For previous episodes, check out our website, terrainforma.ca. Catch you next week, right here on Terra Informa. Terra Informa.